Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. And welcome to Living Electric. We're both content creators and electric vehicle enthusiasts. And through this podcast, we hope to share our experience with owning electric vehicles and help you join the electric life. Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Electric, episode seven of season two. Today, we are talking about our concerns of driving electric when we were looking for an electric vehicle prior to us becoming electric vehicle enthusiasts as well as everyday drivers. So we're gonna be touching base on some things that we experienced before we became more experienced with electric cars. Definitely. But before we do that, we want to address some questions that we received through Facebook. And before we do that, we definitely want to reiterate, if anybody does have questions, feel free to reach out to us. You know, that's what we're here for. Steven Anderson reached out to us about regarding winter driving with an electric vehicle. Um, he is currently looking for an EV. However, he doesn't have a heated garage and would need to install a charger on the side of the house. And that's actually perfect because that's exactly what I have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our garage is about 25 feet away from the house. So we had to install our charger on the side of um, our house. And um, with being in Cleveland, we definitely do get winter storms from time to time. And I do have a lot of experience there. Um, The best tip that I would give for you, Stephen, is if you are looking to do that, make sure that you always want to make sure that your car is plugged in at all times, especially if it drops below 30 uh, degrees. Um, that way the battery can maintain a constant temperature and the vehicle can charge um, in a healthy manner in cold environments. And I was going to say too, yeah. EVs are different than probably what you've heard before where you don't want to like overcharge a battery. EVs like to be plugged in and the mm-hmm. way that like overcharging is managed is just through the like onboard car's computer so it's actually better to just keep the car plugged in once it hits the charge limit whether it's 90 percent or 100 percent, it's going to stop charging and stop pushing power into the into the battery so i know that's kind of like a a concern that were was the case for batteries of the past but that's that's really not the case anymore it's better to just leave it plugged in Mm mm-hmm and what's really cool, especially with the uh, newer EVs with the like the liquid ba- battery management system, is that you can actually hear the liquid being pushed through the battery pack. Um, at least I can with our Chevy Bolt. It almost sounds like coffee's brewing. <laughs> oh, really? I haven't heard yeah. that before. Yeah, yeah. Mine, really... I could just hear like the fans kick up. That's all oh, I really? usually hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll to, I'll send you a video of it. It's really interesting. I walked okay. out. I'm like, is somebody brewing coffee? What is that sound? Such as like a coffee pot. Interesting. Um, but I would say that would probably be the best piece of advice if you are leaving your car outside in colder environments. Um, in terms of comfortability, precondition your vehicle. Uh, that way, it will warm up the interior. It will warm up the battery pack even more, and then hopefully, it would melt off some snow. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what you run into. Steven also mentioned that he does have a 100 mile round trip uh, daily commute and that charging would have to happen um, at the house probably every night. Um, but he also did ask if we have any tips for um, for workplace charging or how to suggest getting an employer to install an EV charger. Alex, do you have any advice there? I pretty much just said, give as much information as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Especially money related. <laughs> Yeah, this is something I've I've struggled with just getting my apartment complex to install stuff. But I know a lot of workplaces, especially just like office buildings and stuff, are looking for more perks just to attract more employees. So I think that that's a big thing to bring up with them is that 
the the cost uh, benefit is probably it's better to install chargers and have that option for your employees and potentially attract new employees that are interested in electric vehicles mm-hmm. or are currently driving an electric vehicle to say that like hey this is something we offer it's the same thing as like putting in a gym or like having a cafe like on site yeah. is kind of how <laughs> I feel it how I feel about it it's like it's just another perk and I think. I think uh, a lot of workplaces are starting to wake up to that. And again, like we mentioned in our previous episodes, this doesn't have to be like a fully blown like $20,000 charger you're installing. Like it could be as simple as just like a little outlet that you're able to bring your bring your mobile yeah. adapter with you and plug into like a 240 volt outlet. So something as small as that would get the job done if you're if you if you are wanting to charge at work. Mm-hmm. And, and plus that would definitely help with uh, driving in the winter time. Certainly. Yeah. It gives you a little, gives you a little extra buffer for sure. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. And then you could precondition it again after, you know, a long day at work. <laughs> yeah. And I would say I'd, I'm definitely more on the side that like, you definitely want to take charging into your own hands with an EV. I think like without a doubt, I would try to get a charger installed, especially if you are concerned about like it being cold out and not having enough range or whatever, which really shouldn't be a concern with the amount you're driving, but having like a level two charger at home, like Brandon has, he said, I mean, you've said it's it's completely fine. Gets the job done all winter for yep. you, and it's freezing cold in Cleveland in the winter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the the Bolt pretty much stays outside 24-7. That thing never sees a garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I would say even, um, Stephen, if you do have a garage that if it isn't even um, heated, you should be okay still, too. Mm-hmm. Just keep the car plugged in. Definitely. Another another um, question that Stephen had is that he noticed that a lot of new electric vehicles come in a variant of uh, different powertrain options in terms of rear-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, or all-wheel drive. Um, and any advice for purchasing a new vehicle with some of those powertrains? Um, I would say specifically in the winter time, get a good set of winter tires. Um, the Bolt is front-wheel drive, and I actually haven't had much experience with the ID4 yet, with it being rear-wheel drive mm. in the winter time. Um, but a good set of winter tires will be a lifesaver. Um, the Bolt literally acts like a small tank <laughs> sometimes <laughs> because of winter tires. Alex, what about you? Have you noticed with your all-wheel drive? Yeah, this is interesting because I've driven like long miles on all three of these types of powertrains now which i've realized yeah so my the camry i drove in college was a front wheel drive the car i bought like right before i graduated the the scion frs little like two-door coupe was a rear wheel drive which is like the hardest string of words to say ever i swear (laughs) (laughs) and then and then my model three right now is an all-wheel drive so i will say Obviously, coming from a light two-door like sports car that's rear-wheel drive to an all-wheel drive EV is like night and day driving. Like the all-wheel drive is just clearly like way more solid on the ground. But the the nice thing about EVs is like whatever you go with, and we've seen this from Tesla. A lot of their like standard range models are rear-wheel drive. I think just the standard range Model Three is the only one actually remaining that that does that. But a lot of those are rear-wheel drive, and I don't think it's as big a concern with an EV just because of how heavy they are mm-hmm. um, just because they stick to the ground way better. And it's, it's kind of harder to throw them off course just because they are so heavy and have that, that bigger inertia, I guess would be the, the physics way to yeah. <laughs> explain it. But any EV generally is going to like stick to the ground a lot better and just kind of be more solid as a, as a vehicle um, than any kind of ice vehicle, just because it is, it has all those batteries and it's way heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
exactly it's going to be way more balanced mm -hmm. so thank you Stephen, for your questions and if you have any other concerns or anything with winter driving definitely let us know and i uh, definitely gave us an idea for a future episode of living electric so thank you <laughs> yeah yeah we'll definitely have to do a whole episode hopefully when it gets a little bit colder <laughs> yeah. about kind of <laughs> kind of how to prepare your ev for the winter because i know that's a big concern with a lot of people just with like the battery getting cold and there's some some weird things that happen with evs that don't necessarily happen with other cars that you kind of have to mm -hmm. be aware of but i've got a video on my channel so i'll definitely link that below as well um for the meantime but we'll that's on our list to do coming into the fall and winter for living electric yeah. so stay tuned and until then we'll enjoy the summer <laughs> that's right yeah. yeah i was just a friend of mine had a tweet the other day or was, i think it was yesterday he was like summer and summer and winter are the only two seasons remaining like fall <laughs> <laughs> fall and spring are like non-existent now it just goes right. straight from like 80 degrees to 40 degrees like out of nowhere it's, it's so true i walked outside this morning and it felt like like a fall morning yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like okay like, it's oh september's no, it's tomorrow happening. calm down <laughs> <laughs> so moving forward with our concerns i am actually going to pass the torch to alex because i had no concerns going electric so <laughs> alex have fun with the rest of the episode <laughs> yeah, you were all in you said i want yeah. the i want the yeah. imiev with uh with 40 miles around. 40 miles just, yep. just give me an I, ev <laughs> yep, I, could, I could do my grocery shopping and i was okay with that even That's though right. i was i think 16 years old <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so the the engineer in me and the i guess non-optimist like brandon which i'm very very envious of <laughs> definitely had some concerns going electric and i think a lot of drivers do just because it's such a different like fueling and just car ownership experience so the biggest thing for me was just like where am i going to charge this thing especially being someone that was living in an apartment um just trying to figure that out and figure out my options there because I really did want an EV. It was just trying to figure out how it would fit into my lifestyle. So the biggest thing with charging, I usually tell people is like find your charging routine. So if you do live in a house like Brandon does, like I'm sure you don't even think about it half the time because you're like, <laughs> I'll just plug it in at home. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of people don't really realize is like, home charging is ultra reliable. Like how often do you go home and like depend on electricity at home to like go about your daily life? Like you're almost counting on it every day. So doing it to like counting on that to charge your car is, is I mean, just as reliable. So having home charging definitely frees things up a lot. If you don't have home charging, I think it gets a little bit more interesting. I think just, just going on Chargeway or PlugShare or your favorite EV charging app and just poking around your local area and seeing what chargers are available that certainly helps as well because i know some locations actually like around me have charging as well like uh, we were thinking about moving over to dublin like recently before we moved oh, into really? our current current uh apartment complex and the dublin rec center has chargers there so i would have been able to plug in at the rec center if i went and worked out every day and get yeah, like, more yeah, than enough that... range for my commute so that's useful. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot more options out there than people really realize for charging. It's just about finding them. And if you're like, oh, I don't have any charging around me, I would, if you live near a city or like live in a somewhat populated area, odds are there's probably a charger pretty close to you. You just don't see it and aren't looking for it because it's not, it's not a gas station with a giant <laughs> yeah. sign above it. So, which hopefully one day we'll get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even if it's just like a LED sign or just something. Just something to kind of say like a big arrow, big lighted arrow <laughs> <Right>. with, uh, <laughs> with yeah. EV charging I think, here. I think we just thought of a business idea. We might have to <laughs> talk more about that. <laughs> 
You know, Alex, I was actually just thinking when you were talking about that, I think for me, um, most of my concerns were more curiosity. Mm. Um, I think I was more curious about the technology. So like I downloaded PlugShare when like there was like literally no users in Cleveland. I'm pretty sure like I was one of the first. And I just remember every single day, it was like a nightly routine looking at where chargers were, like what new ones were added, what like check-ins were added. Um, and to me, it was just more of like, wow, like this is cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think even in the past, like, I mean, we've talked about this before, but just even in the past, like three or four years, EV charging has just exploded because like there, people see a need for it. There's like more of a business case for it now and more EV drivers. Like it's a perk to have charging installed. So if you're like, if you're thinking, Oh, like there's not a lot of EV chargers. Like that has changed so much in the past. So oh, yeah. definitely like reconsider and like double check those those apps again if you haven't looked in the past year or two, because like a lot has changed. Thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of chargers. I, I know I know for me when I get the question, well, where do I charge? And I pull up like, you know, chargeway and I pull up the map and all the numbers and colors and they're like, Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. There's it almost shocks a lot people. out there. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I said, they're not like gas stations where you see yeah. them everywhere. Like they are sometimes exactly. kind of hidden away. Mm-hmm. Like on lampposts, <laughs> like that one we saw in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So the other concern I had with charging, especially being being in an apartment, sometimes having to rely on on uh, destination chargers or or superchargers when I was traveling, a big concern of mine was uh, charging at my destinations too, just because sometimes I know. Without home charging, I'd sometimes be arriving places with low states of charge. So, oh, yeah. especially my parents' house, like I've figured out now that like if I'm plugged in there, I can usually get plenty of range overnight, even just on a 120 volt outlet and just hit a supercharger on the way back. Like I could still make that trip. It's just yeah. a little bit more difficult. But that's what I've noticed with road trips is like charging at your destination is sometimes like more important for for ease of use than charging along the way. Yeah, absolutely. But I was just going to say, I think that that's where the true game changer will be when hotels start adding level twos to all of their parking lots. Certainly. Um, Yeah. Which we've seen a lot have already kind of woken up to that. I know like, I think Marriott is starting to do that at a lot of theirs. Mm -hmm. I know there's some others that really are looking at it seriously, but I think that's way more important where people are staying overnight away from home. Yep. Um, and don't yeah. want to have to like go make an extra charging stop if they don't have to. Exactly. The other concern I had just with my experience with batteries is that it was for some reason just going to like die one day, just like mm. your phone does yeah. or your laptop or whatever else. Yeah. Like I think a lot of our experiences with batteries are pretty negative where it's it's like, all right, two years and I need a new iPhone because my, my battery went to crap. So like yeah. I got to yeah. either get the battery <laughs> replaced or or get a new iPhone or whatever. And I had a concern about that, like going to an EV, because I'm like, is my EV going to do the same thing? Am I going to need a battery replacement? Like, what's that oh, look yeah. like? Yeah. Um, but I was very like happy to hear, and Tesla's even got like more data coming out now. Like, first off, there's a battery warranty on all these now, so like mine's got an eight year, hundred twenty thousand mile battery warranty that like basically <laughs> guarantees that the battery's going to keep working for that long and be yeah. <laughs> and stay in good shape. Um, so I know I'm good for at least eight years. And even Tesla's data is showing now that I think in their latest impact report, they're showing that like after 200,000 miles, the batteries have around 85% of their original capacity on average, mm-hmm. 
which is crazy if you think yeah. about it like oh, yeah. <laughs> for how long those batteries are lasting like imagine how many like years that is like for the average driver oh yeah yeah i mean that's probably what eight ten plus years oh yeah the easily. average driver easily yeah so i thought i thought that was really reassuring um knowing that they they kind of have that data behind them and i know i'm yeah. gonna be okay like and that was a lot of what kind of like solidified my my jump into an EV and especially spending more money on an EV up front as I knew the car was going to last. I think mm-hmm. I think a lot of cars nowadays are built really well, but an EV especially like they're really built to last. They're not going to have all these mechanical parts that are, gonna, that are suddenly going to like start not working when they hit 100,000 miles. Like a lot yeah. of this stuff is really built to last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I definitely think that that's one thing that especially new EV owners um, – can you know take solace in knowing is that the you, you can trust the reliability yeah. I, I know when i started doing more research on this back in like 2014 2015 i was watching like engineering videos of like people slicing motors in half and like learning about like how like the the coffers wired and all that and yeah. you don't have to do that yep <laughs> the technology has come a very long way definitely <laughs> yeah Definitely. Unless you're a nerd, then you can look into <laughs> Exactly. So what about like maintenance and stuff? I know that was a little bit of a concern for me. I know EVs don't have a lot of maintenance, but I know you've had some problems with your Bolt, especially just finding people to work on them if things mm-hmm. go wrong. Yeah. What's, uh, what was kind of your concerns about that initially and what's been your experience with that? I, I think my biggest concern is trusting like the service center that I'm going to that okay. they know what they're working on. Um, and the only reason I say that is because a lot of the service technicians are cross-trained between mm. combustion vehicles and battery electrics. Gotcha. And obviously, you know, we we know that there is a massive difference between the two vehicles. So um, I always wonder how much um, hands-on experience they have with electric vehicles because they are more reliable. You know, there's a lot less that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. So how often do they actually work on them? Yeah. Um, so that was a big concern of mine with where to take our bolt, which Chevy dealership could we trust? Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I think we did find a decent one that has enough bolt traffic that they, they have the experience. Um, but it's more of the, um, the, um, materials on the inside of the vehicle like in terms of like the driver's mm. seat <laughs> yeah. and some of like the other you know materials that the car is put together with than the powertrain gotcha. um yeah yeah which isn't really like a traditional repair that's just kind of like parts wearing out <laughs> it's yeah. not like it's not like the whole motor needs replaced or something exactly exactly and, and that's one thing with general motors that i prior to everything with like the the battery recall that they're experiencing now from my experience with their their drive units as well as their their other you know electrical like technology it's been really reliable like mm-hmm. i mean there hasn't been a single issue for us That's regarding good. that but i do know for like our id4 that is another concern with that being a brand new vehicle mm-hmm. um especially to volkswagen that doesn't have the experience that gm does with evs how much experience do their technicians have with our you know with the cars yeah um i know from our experience i i think i even talked about this prior we had a software issue that they had to get it engineers involved from germany yep <laughs> <laughs> to figure it out <laughs> yep. uh, because it wasn't part of the the training so and i know that they figured it out and i'm sure as time goes by you know they'll get more experience but that is a slight concern for for me yeah and i think yeah. that's oh, see, that's there's a concern <laughs> <laughs> you're concerned yeah <laughs> concerned <laughs> 
And I think that's sorry. more of a more of a testament to just how new EVs are in general. I think we could mm-hmm. see something similar about like I don't know if I want to use the iPhone example, but like uh, with smartphones like getting repaired. Like imagine getting a smartphone ten years ago, like trying to get a repair for it. Now there's like a repair shop on every corner for getting your phone screen yeah. repaired or whatever. So. <laughs> Yeah. I think as we as we make this shift to electric vehicles, I think that's going to become even less and less of a concern. So I think mm-hmm. that's that's not really a concern as much with the vehicle. It's just the kind of infrastructure around it. Exactly. Yeah. I trust I trust the cars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wanted to go back to charging, too, because I had another mm-hmm. question from Instagram about that. Um, but I think it's just a good topic in general, just about uh, planning out trips with charging. I don't know if you've taken like a multi-charge stop trip with your car where you've like had to really plan it out before, but what, what's that been like for you? Yeah. Um, so last summer I did a, um, I think it was a thousand plus mile road trip, like Mm -hmm. round trip, um, going down to Bowling Green, Kentucky to a racetrack down there. Um, so I used, I used Chargeway to plan my route and I stopped at three different Electrify America charging stations on Mm. each way. So round trip. So for me, I had some prior experience with Electrify America station, so I kind of knew what I was getting into. Um, But utilizing the route planner and chargeway helped immensely. It made me less nervous, you know, getting out of my, if you want to call it a comfort zone, you know, in terms of my driving range. Definitely. Um, Because that was my real first test to drive long distance in the Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. And did that take a lot of planning up front or like how do you typically plan for those sorts of trips? Well, for me personally, I plan where there's a bathroom <laughs> available. <laughs> so, That's fair. So I always have to be prepared. Um, so I I definitely utilize the tools that are available um, specifically, you know, like route planning um, to do the heavy lifting for me. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, most of the EA stations are either at Sheets or Walmarts, places where there are places for me to get out, use the restroom, get food. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the best thing to do to comfort any term, like any sense of range anxiety is just understand where you're stopping. What What is that in the limit of how you drive, like your driving style, the exterior mm. temperature, and what is waiting for you when you're there? Like, are the chargers available? Is there places for you to get food? What can you do during that time your car's charging? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to think about, especially on those long trips, is like, where is the charger actually located? I think a lot of people figure that out, that like, you can't just throw it in the middle of like, a desert like it needs to be it needs to be near, <laughs> near some sort of infrastructure so that you can get out and use a restroom can go get food like all that stuff because even if the charging stop is 20 minutes like you do want to get out and stretch your legs for a little bit um or get get a bite to eat or whatever have you had any issues with like reliability on those chargers i know that can be a concern from a lot of like potential owners yeah. is like well what if i'm on a road trip and there's only one place to stop and charge what if that isn't working yeah yeah. Um, so I have had some reliability issues with, uh, so like I, I'm going back to Electrify America because that's my main experience with like long distance driving, yeah. uh, charging networks. But it actually, the the one thing that I noticed with reliability is that I think it's more of a software issue than anything is mm. the handshake between the car and the charger. Yeah. Um, I know for the Bolt, the um, older Bolts didn't have a reinforced charge port and the weight of the cable would actually disconnect it slightly. So it would fail initializing the charge. So you almost have to like hold it 
like you're handshaking it. <laughs> um, fortunately, other EVs don't have that issue. Yeah. But but I I have noticed that if I plug my Bolt into a charger that's rated at over 350 kilowatts, it doesn't want to start the charge. Interesting. And I think that's because the car's rated at 50 kilowatts. So I don't know if it's like part of that software handshake. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then it involves moving to another charger, you know, trying to get that to work. Um, sometimes like the mobile applications to start the charger tend to crash. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you try to start a charge, it just kind of trips up the whole system. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So I would say the main issue I've noticed is just like software related. Just software like it doesn't stuff. seem to be yeah. hardware. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, yeah. I think that's just kind of like a growing pain of EVs right now is there's like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different softwares out there, a lot of different networks that are all doing things slightly differently there. It hasn't really been refined and really ironed out to where it's like yeah. a seamless experience every time you go and charge, especially yeah. with the non Tesla options. I think I've been a little bit spoiled because I've, yeah. <laughs> I've used superchargers almost exclusively. I did just buy a Chadmo adapter though. So I'm yeah. going to start trying yeah. out some other, uh, some other non-Tesla stations, kind of see what yeah. that that interaction is like. So I'm, I'll I'll definitely do some videos on that because I'm curious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my experience with Tesla stations is they've generally been pretty reliable. The only time I had an issue was I was driving over to my parents' house in Indianapolis, and the charger I usually stop at, and I think it's Inglewood, Dayton, uh, Dayton area. I stopped there usually on the way over there, but the one time I stopped there had been a power outage uh, in the oh. past like hour or something like that that knocked out yeah. all those chargers. When I got there, they were up and running, uh, but only half of them were. So for some reason, whatever the power outage did like knocked out half of the chargers. And when I got there, all of them were full. So, <laughs> so I was yeah. like, all right, it's fine. Like, I think we have enough range to keep driving. So we just kept going as we were getting closer. It was a little bit colder too. I realized I was not going to have enough range. So we had to like pull over and kind of make like at a somewhat emergency stop at a little like co-op, uh, electrical co-op that had a charger level two charger at their, like, uh, oh, wow. at their headquarters, I guess. Can't remember the name of them. I would have shouted them out and like thank them here but yeah. <laughs> they uh <laughs> but we plugged in there and there was a steak and shake like nearby so we just got a bite to eat and then when we came oh, back to the nice. car had enough to like get to my house or my my home so that was fine but that's really the that's literally the only time in in 20 plus thousand miles of driving that i've had an issue where like the charger wasn't working or like mm -hmm my plan like had to be changed because of a charging issue. And then in terms of just like planning routes, I'm again, very spoiled because I have a Tesla and it will <laughs> automatically plan my route for me. If I just plug in my destination in, in the touchscreen in the car, it'll say, okay, you don't have enough charge to get to this destination. You've got to stop at this charger along the way and charge for 10 to 15 minutes or whatever it says. So I found that sometimes that doesn't always take the best like route, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. it's sometimes like I'll have enough charge to get to a charger that's faster away, farther away and faster. So like, I won't always follow what the thing says. I'll just plug yeah. in the charger I want to get to. Um, yeah. So that's the only like bad thing I've really noticed with like the in-screen navigation. So just being an EV owner now, I kind of know where the chargers are like along the way so i'm like all right yeah. i know how to kind of plan it myself now versus depending on the touch screen to do that for me so yeah and that, and that comes with experience <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. 
that that kind of plays back on the understand your surroundings you yeah know, like what chargers are around you <laughs> certainly yeah so alex i i have a question for you um i think that this is one of the most common questions i've received and i think you would probably say the same thing what would you say to somebody who's concerned about running out of charge? Like, say, for example, they get to a supercharger or a DC fast charger and the power's out and mm. they are on such a low state of charge. What how would you respond to that? Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be a rough time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you were if you were traveling like long distance like that and you're literally getting down to like one or two percent and you've got a charge at this certain charger, then like I don't really know like what else you would do in that situation if you are like I know I've cut it close one time just driving like across Columbus again because I didn't have home charging. I was like Oh, I'd rather charge with a supercharger that's closer to our to our apartment. So we'll just like risk it and try to get yeah. over there. I think we rolled in with like two miles left. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but fortunately, the charger was working. So I would say if you have concerns about that, I would say it's not really a concern on a like day to day basis. I know like with our two cars, it's generally just like commuting and trips around town that we take mm -hmm. in our cars. You're leaving the garage or your house with ninety percent every time. I'd say the odds of running out of charge in an EV are much lower than they are with a gas car. So if yeah. you haven't run out of yeah. gas in your in your gas car, then you're probably going to be fine in an EV. I don't really know how to answer like yeah. if you've if you're running out of charge and you like you arrive at a charger, the charger's down. Like I really don't know what you do in that situation. You probably have to call like AAA or something like that to get yeah. you towed. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, so. I was going to say I have two options. Okay. <laughs> the nice thing with electric vehicles is that you can plug into any outlet. So oh, that's you, true. Yeah. In an emergency, you need to plug in, plug into a wall outlet, um, or get a tow truck because that's yeah. exactly what happens if you run out of gas. You mm -hmm. need to get a tow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I do know that that's a big concern for people who are, uh, especially new to EVs, they, they are very concerned with, well, what happens when you run out of charge? And the way yeah. I always, the way I always talk about it is the exact same thing. If you ran out of gas, you would yeah. need a tow truck. It's <laughs> a good point. I sent out this tweet. I don't know how many of you follow me on Twitter, but I said the, I've realized a lot of the concerns with EV ownership are just concerns with cars in general, <laughs> which I <Yeah>. think definitely <laughs> like rings true as I've like become an EV owner and like the questions I get asked about EVs. It's like, well, what do you do if you run out of charge? It's like, well, what do you do if you run out of gas? And it's like, oh, well, yeah. where do you charge that thing? I don't know. Where you where do you fill up your tank? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I think exactly. I think just a lot of these these concerns and questions that people have are just kind of questions about car ownership, and they might all, they might be a little bit different with an EV, but that doesn't mean they're like it's impossible or it's like way harder with yeah. an EV. Yeah. That, you know, I, we don't have to put this in here, but I did see that tweet. And like, honestly, like, I, I feel like that's the whole perspective I've been taking, like with my content production and like yeah. education is that it's, it's car stuff. Like yeah, it's not, exactly. yeah, yeah. Still a car. No, I, I thought it was, it was very smart, like a very like clever tweet. I liked it. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. I guess really the only other concern for me just moving to a Tesla as opposed to like an, another vehicle is the touchscreen and computer that runs the whole thing just because everything is so software centric on a Tesla compared yeah. to compared to some of the other EVs. Um, I know there was some issues with the older Model S's where the touchscreen like would go out or the like the media control unit, the MCU, what they call it, um, just completely like dies or like the car won't be able to turn on because that computer dies. And I will say I have less concerns about that now just because they've iterated on it. And 
with the Model S, I feel like not necessarily that they took shortcuts, but I think they took took some liberties with like their design choices with that car, yeah. thinking that it was going to be okay long term when in reality it wasn't. Because I think with the Model S, I don't know if you knew this or not, they actually used like an outdoor laptop screen uh, for their main for their main touchscreen in the Model S. The at least some of the initial ones. I didn't know that. Instead of like just building their own from scratch that was like meant to go in a car, they just used like yeah. an off the shelf like heavy duty laptop screen for that touch for that touch screen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, I did that's news to me. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I think they've realized that they really do need to build things specifically for going in a car that can handle high heat, that can handle all of the stuff that cars go through that other pieces of technology don't necessarily go through. Um, and, and improved a lot of that with the Model 3. So I've been happy with my car. Like the touchscreen hasn't slowed down at all in the almost year, two years now that I've owned it. So, I mean, it's, yeah. been, it's been completely fine for me. I, I will say that Teslas have probably the best touchscreens on the market. I it's mean, they just... insane. I'm yeah. like, how do we not have better touchscreens in cars now? Like, right. <laughs> you're spending like multiple tens of thousands of dollars on a new car and you can't put yeah. a better touchscreen in some of these. Like it's, I, I it's bad. I, I will say our ID four, even though like it lags a little bit, I just tried the EA app on for Apple CarPlay and it was just like using a, a Tesla touchscreen. Really? I, mean, like, I was like going all over the map and it was working like so fluidly. That's like, really good to hear. Very impressive. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, no, I Teslas are top notch. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of our previous episodes, episode five, we were talking about doing research and being prepared for, a, you know, owning an electric vehicle. Um, when you were doing your research and, you know, with like any initial concerns you had, did you have any concerns regarding range? Like how far you could drive? Yeah, I, I think when I was looking at my car, I did have concerns about range, but I think that goes back to just like you said, like listening to episode five and figuring out the best EV for you because it's important to pick an EV that's going to fit your lifestyle. Obviously, mm -hmm. like like you were saying, buying a buying an IMEV a few years ago would have been a would have been a good option for you because you didn't have to do like a lot of driving and it was yep. it was fine to go get groceries all that stuff um but for somebody that wants like to go on road trips and take long trips to see family or whatever they want to do and take long trips in their EV getting a 300 mile EV makes a lot more sense so I think I think if you have concerns about range like prioritize range when you're buying mm -hmm. a car um, if you are somebody that takes a lot of trips and wants that extra range, then, then make that a priority when you're buying a car. So I certainly had concerns about range if I would have gone with a lower range EV, but because mine has 300 miles of range, I really don't have any of those concerns anymore. And I think this goes back to just kind of like the, the can response a lot of us EV owners have is like, think about how much driving you actually do. You probably mm -hmm. don't need as much range as you probably think. So now yeah. that I'm looking at it, I think I could have gotten away with getting like a standard range Model 3 that had 50 fewer miles of range, but I'm glad I went with the longer range because I do have that extra buffer. So yeah. I think yeah. I think range is certainly still king. Like if you if you can afford a higher range EV and that fits your lifestyle better, it's never going to hurt to go with a longer range EV, I guess. Yeah. That's kind of my advice. Yeah, exactly. I, I will say now that I am working totally remote, maybe an iMeve would have worked <laughs> for my day to day. Yeah. But but I think that that was one thing that surprised me the most um, is just especially when I was commuting is that I was totally able to charge my car 
and be fine. Yeah, you know, exactly. like there was no concern with the day-to-day driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for, for episode seven. We, uh, we appreciate the, the question that Steven sent in. If you, if any of you all have questions or concerns about EV ownership or potential podcast episode topics that you want us to, to talk about, I think it'd be fun to eventually do just like an all Q and a episode if we can get enough questions. But um, if you have any of those, definitely reach out to us. Uh, Steven sent us a message on Facebook. Uh, we're on Facebook, just living electric podcast. We're on Twitter at living electric underscore and on Instagram living electric podcast. So definitely reach out if you have any more questions and we will see you in the next episode. Bye.